This is The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. The Political Insider is your inside source on politics from the White House to the State House and all points in between. If it's in the headlines, The Political Insider will have the story. Let's get started. Here's Bill Ballinger. Good morning or afternoon or evening, whenever you're listening to this, a lot of politics going on in Michigan right now. First of all, we had a couple of election cephologists. You know what cephologists are from the Greek word, meaning those who study election returns. A couple of gurus, election gurus this week made projections about what the turnout is going to be like in the November 6th general election. One of these gurus, and you become a guru when you retire after 36 years as the state elections director, that's Chris Thomas. He now can comment freely. He's not employed by the state anymore. His salary isn't paid by the taxpayers. He's not a public official. He can say whatever he wants. And he's saying, I think they're going to be at least 4 million people turn out on November 6th and vote here in Michigan. And that would be a record, an all-time record. Uh, He says we should contrast that figure with what is the usual turnout in a non-presidential so-called midterm election like this one or like 2014 or 2010 or 2006. He says usually they're between 2.8 and 3.2 million people that turn out uh, in a general election in those non-presidential years. So if 4 million turn out, you know, that's quite a jump. Um, And he's basing that on the turnout in the August primary, which was way up this year in Michigan. It was 2.2 million, not as many people vote in primaries as in a general election. And 2.2 million uh, was a record here in Michigan for turnout. Now, there's another guru named Mark Grebner. He's been a guest on this show just a couple of months ago. Uh, He runs Practical Political Consulting, which is a uh, campaign consulting and uh, political list brokerage in Lansing. And Mark Grebner uh, says, you know what? I see Chris Thomas's prediction, and I'll raise him. I think there are going to be 4.2 million who turn out. The turnout is going to be so big, he says. So... You know, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, whether those projections are accurate. Now, usually when there are that many people turning out for an election, it bodes well for Democrats. Democrats usually do better with high turnout and Republicans with lower turnout, mainly because Republicans just have a better track record of getting their vote out. Republican voters tend to turn out come hell or high water doesn't make any difference what the year is, what election it is, uh, whether it's a primary or a general, uh, they get their people out. Democrats are much more fluid. Uh, They tend to get pretty excited and uh, mobilized when uh, they've got a presidential race in particular, Um, somebody they're excited about like Barack Obama, then they turn out. But if it's a pretty blah race or a blah year, or they're not excited about their candidate, they have a tendency to stay home. So that hurts the Democrats. So uh, these are things to think about going forward. Now, Chris Thomas also said he supports, this is the first time he says he's ever endorsed 
a ballot proposal. Of course, he couldn't while he was state elections director. He's supposed to be completely neutral on everything. But he says, I support what is going to be 2018-3, which is promote the vote. And promote the vote is a ballot proposal that we're all going to have a chance to vote on November 6th in the general election that uh, liberalizes, you should say, or encourages uh, the process of voting. For instance, uh, you can register all the way up to election day itself for the first time. No 30 days in advance of the election. Uh, no waiting to see if you are registered. No showing up at the polls and being told by election workers, sorry, you're not eligible. You're not registered. You can just walk in on November 6th. You've never been registered before and you can be registered. Um, also there is a a requirement in this proposal that straight ticket voting in Michigan be allowed, uh, whether or not, you know, it's utilized by people is up to them. Uh, I'm not going to get into any more debate on that, but I can tell you right now on November 6th, for the first time in a, probably a century or more, we're not going to have straight ticket voting in Michigan by federal judicial decision just a week or so ago. So we're not going to have straight ticket voting this year, even though we've had it for decades going back in time. And perhaps if this ballot proposal three passes, we're going to have it beginning again in 2020 and 2022. Uh, also, no reason absentee voting is in this proposal, this ballot proposal, uh, meaning that you don't have to say, I'm going to be out of town. So will you give me an absentee ballot? So I can vote before I leave town. I'm not going to be in town for the election or I'm sick. Um, please send me an absentee ballot. That's always been the only reason you can get absentee ballots in Michigan. This proposal, if it passes by the voters on November 6th, will say you can request an absentee ballot in advance of election for any reason you want. Just say, I want to vote absentee. I do not want to come into the polls. So there's a lot of stuff in this proposal uh, that will change the voting process slightly. Chris Thomas says, I support this. I support it. Now, interestingly, the current Secretary of State, Ruth Johnson, uh, who's a Republican, was elected uh, 2010. She served two four-year terms. She's term limited. She cannot run again for Secretary of State. By the way, she's running for the state Senate and looks to be almost certain to be elected in November. So we're going to continue to probably see Ruth Johnson for the next eight years, just not as secretary of state, but the secretary of state includes the elections division and the elections division, um, that she presides over basically are the ones that would have to administer through township and city clerks, uh, same day registration. And for that reason, Ruth Johnson says, I do not support proposal three because I think it's too hard to validate the credentials of people walking into the polls on election day and saying, uh, you know, I want to be registered to vote right now. And I want to be able to vote right now. She says you need a little more time than that. Um, the administrators, uh, the clerks, the secretary of state to validate that somebody is who they say they are and their credentials are in order. So she says, for that reason, I don't support it. So there's a difference between the secretary of state who, by the way, was Chris Thomas's boss when he was elections director before he retired a year ago and the elections director, Chris Thomas, 
who says, I support the proposal. So that's interesting. Only other thing I'm going to mention is some polls out this week showing that the uh, governor's race uh, it doesn't look close right now. Gretchen Whitmer's got a 10% lead over Republican Bill Schuette in one poll, 14% lead uh, over Bill Schuette in another poll. That's Gretchen Whitmer, the Democratic nominee. Also, Debbie Stabenow, the incumbent Democratic U.S. Senator, she is up 18% over Republican John James in one poll. She's up 23% in another poll. And one of the polls also did favorable and unfavorable uh, ratings of some of the major political figures in Michigan. And they show uh, that Gretchen Whitmer is 53% favorable, 35% unfavorable. Uh, Debbie Stabenow also got heavy favorable, unfavorable ratio. But the three Republicans, or I could say four Republicans, if we mention um, Rick Snyder, the incumbent governor who's not running this year, Bill Schuette, the attorney general running for governor, uh, Donald Trump, our president, uh, who could run in 2020, and uh, John James, Republican nominee for U.S. Senate. Their uh, numbers are all underwater. Uh, Snyder and James by a slight amount, like 40% approved, 42% disapproved. Uh, Bill Schuette, 40% approved, 46% disapproved. Donald Trump, pretty bad, 39% approved, 55% disapproved. So right now, two months out of the election, Republicans have got some work to do to catch up on November 6th. They claim they can do it. They say the facts are on their side. The economy's on their side. Uh, they enacted uh, a major tax cut federal level. So we'll see what happens. Uh, we're going to come back in just a few minutes with a guest. You're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill. We're back and we've got a special guest here, Dennis Denno, a pollster in Lansing of many years and also a former legislative aide in both the State House of Representatives and the State Senate. He's also a political consultant. He's a man of many talents. Uh, Dennis Denno, welcome to The Political Insider. Hey, Bill Ballinger. Thanks for having me on. Well, now, you've got something called the Friday Morning Podcast, and I'm a little bit familiar with it, but I'd like to hear you describe what is the Friday Morning Podcast? How long has it been going? What's going on? Well, Friday Morning Podcast is a podcast that I do with you, with Bill Ballinger. It's uh, on every Friday morning online, and we cover Michigan politics and Michigan political history. And it's archived, right? I mean, it's always there on the uh, Ballinger Report website, and you've got your own website, Friday Morning Podcast, right? People can always uh, get it online and listen to it whenever they want to, right? That's right. It's on the BallingerReport.com, and it's on uh, every app that uh, carries a podcast, whether it's iTunes or Google Play or uh, numerous other SoundCloud, numerous other applications. And the programs run what? Generally, what, half an hour to 40 minutes, would you say? Yeah, that's about all people can tolerate of the two of us, right? <laughs> yeah, what about guests? Don't we have guests? Uh, what are some of the guests? Like, we had a good one this week. Yeah, we had a really good guest this, this week, this Friday. We had State Representative Leslie Love. She's a Democratic state rep from Detroit, Redford Township. 
She um, she was great. Uh, we talked about her acting career. We talked about her being on the TV show Detroiters. We talked about what I uh, affectionately call her stripper bills, an eight-bill package to regulate the uh, adult entertainment industry in Michigan. thought that went really well. Yeah, it was really interesting. I tried to bring up the question when we talked to her in the podcast. Um, I said, you know, historically, a lot of professions and occupations actually go to politicians and the legislature and they say, you know, we want to be regulated. Now, why would they want to be regulated? They want to be regulated to keep competition out. They want to be able to write into law standards uh, that they know they can meet, but they don't want some fly-by-night competition coming in that doesn't have to meet any standards at all. Um, So I asked Leslie Love, well, did the adult entertainment industry come to you and beg to be regulated? (laughs) I don't think she uh, gave us an affirmative answer to that question, did she? I kind of got the impression that they were not very excited about this. (laughs) There might have been some participants in the industry that would be supportive. (laughs) Yeah. Well, anyway, this this is apparently an eight-bill package that Leslie Love and a bunch of other legislators, most of them Democrats, but there was one uh, Republican sponsor, uh, Holly Hughes uh, from Muskegon, uh, think, you know, would help define the industry and set some standards and do some auditing and put in some protections. Uh, apparently, you know, there are a lot of people – neighborhood groups, I guess, around these entertainment sites, particularly in Detroit, who would just as soon have these outfits gone, completely wiped out. Uh, Leslie Love maintains that's not the purpose of her bills to so discourage the people in the industry that they want to get out. But, you know, maybe for some of these um, activities, it'll have that effect. What do you think? I think it would make it easier to shut these... uh strip clubs down, but I also think it would be easier to make sure that they're safe, uh, both for the patrons and for the dancers, and even for the neighbors around these clubs, which um, sometimes is, is a serious problem. Right. Now, we've had some other guests on the show. We had Sri Tanadar, we had Abdul El Sayed, we had Gretchen Whitmer, all three Democrats. We had Brian Kelly, a uh, Republican candidate for governor. We weren't able to get any of the other gubernatorial candidates. Uh, but we're working on getting a bunch of other candidates uh, for office uh, later this fall, and we'll see what happens on that. But uh, remember, theballengerreport.com or the Friday morning, con- uh, Friday morning podcast, go to either of those sites, and you can uh, hear the programs. And then every Friday morning, as Dennis said, uh, there's a new one. Uh, Dennis, uh, one of the things we talked about yesterday was the turnout in November Um, and Chris Thomas, the former state elections director now retired, uh, and Mark Grebner, who is a political list broker, uh, here in Lansing, uh, they both predicted they're going to be anywhere from 4 million to 4.2 million people turn out in November, which would be an all time record in Michigan. Uh, certainly in raw numbers, it would be a record and it might even be a record in percentage of the electorate, because of course, over time, the state has been growing slightly, even recently after a dip in the early years of the 21st century. Uh, what do you think about that? Do you think they're accurate? Do you think their turnout's going to be that big after we had a record turnout in the primary on August 7th, 2.2 million? 
You know, I see a, I see a, uh, a two bases that are really fired up. I mean, as I've traveled the state uh, this year and last, and I've been to a lot of Democratic Party meetings, I've seen Democrats really fired up all over the state. I see, you know, pretty large turnouts a lot of these Democratic Party meetings, and I assume Trump voters are pretty fired up to vote. Um, so, I mean, I can see where this could have a very significant turnout in, in November, maybe the largest ever for a gubernatorial election, whether it's going to hit 4 million, 4.2 million, I guess we've got to wait and see. Yeah, I guess maybe the real question is, how about people who are not diehard Trump supporters on the one hand or energized Democrats, most of whom hate Trump on the other, they're maybe going to turn out. But what about the mushy middle, you know, the <laughs> kind of reasonable, moderate, silent majority out there, independents, ticket splitters, uh, some moderate Democrats, some moderate Republicans, are they going to turn out? That's well, the real question. Well, here's an interesting question. Does Gretchen Whitmer, Bill Schuette, Debbie Stabenow, or John James fire those people up to vote? Yeah, I think that's very important. I absolutely agree with you. We don't have any kind of uh, lightning rods of excitement necessarily at the top of the ticket, but maybe for various reasons, uh, some people might think, hey, it's our responsibility. There's a lot of craziness going on. We got to get out there and vote. Chris Thomas, uh, former elections director, he also is uh, endorsing proposal three, the ballot proposal I talked about in the first segment, which would make it easier to vote. How do you feel about that proposal? Yeah, no, I think it's important. I'm a, I'm a big proponent of straight ticket voting. I think it's really sad that the Federal Court of Appeals has taken away uh, a right that Michigan citizens should have. You can use it if you want to use straight ticket voting. You don't have to use it if you don't want to. I don't understand why people can't have that right if they want. Um, you know, same-day registration, I think, is fascinating to me. I know other states uh, do that. Minnesota does that. Um, you know, I think people should have the option to vote absentee if they want. It's uh, it just makes voting easier and smoother and cleaner. And what about the polls that came out this week that showed big leads for uh, Debbie Stabenow running for re-election as U.S. Senator and Gretchen Whitmer, Democrat candidate for governor? Uh, they, they got big leads. Uh, you think those are going to hold up on November 6th? You know, I think right now Debbie Stabenow is going to do very well. I don't see the national Republicans funding John James. Um, and, you know, Debbie Stabenow has is sitting on a significant uh, amount of money, and uh, she's going to uh, be uh, spending that all over the state of Michigan. I, I think the gubernatorial race is going to tighten up a little bit. Our gubernatorial races in general are, are historically been, been, been pretty tight. Um, I, I would be surprised if Gretchen Whitmer just walks away with this one. Okay. We'll be back in just a second. You're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill. We're back with Dennis Denno, uh, who is a prominent political consultant and pollster, former legislative aide in the Michigan legislature, and also uh, co-partner of the Friday Morning Podcast, uh, which is on Every week, uh, launch Friday morning. It's archived Friday morning podcast, or you can get it at the Ballinger Report, and you can hear all the episodes. Um, Dennis Denno, let, let me just ask you this. Uh, this uh, 
second ballot proposal. This would be 2018-2 on the November 6th ballot. This is the so-called voters, not politicians ballot proposal. That is the redistricting proposal, it's called, because what it would do is take away from the legislature and the governor the power to redraw legislative district lines and congressional district lines every 10 years after the census and give it to an independent commission whose members would be picked largely in a kind of lottery. Um, and it would supposedly be people that could not have any connection to politics whatsoever. Uh, there's a lot of debate about that, but, uh, this voters, not politicians proposal has been backed most prominently by Democrats, um, in, in Michigan. And now this week, um, I'm going to get to this in a minute. You've got a national democratic organization weighing in on it. Uh, Republicans have basically been opposed to it largely because Republicans have been redrawing the lines themselves. The last two times we did that in 2001 and 2011, after the censuses of 2000 and 2010, because the Republicans controlled both the state house and the state Senate. And they had the governor in both those occasions, 2001 and 2011. So Republicans say, no, we don't want to lose the ability to be able to draw the lines. Uh, and a lot of people with the voters, not politicians proposal, the people who orchestrated this and collected the signatures to get it on the ballot, to amend the constitution. Uh, they basically said, you know, this is not a partisan proposal. This is not anti-Republican Republicans. Uh, we got Republican supporters and they trot out a list of Republicans who endorse this. Uh, but now you, you've got this, um, national democratic redistricting committee headed basically by former, uh, attorney general, Eric Holder in the Barack Obama administration, uh, saying we're going to give $250,000 to this proposal. So the Republicans are saying, aha, we told you so this is a democratic plot to take this away from the Republicans and, uh, get a democratic secretary of state. They hope Jocelyn Benson, their nominee for secretary of state here in Michigan is going to win to basically pick this commission. They're going to be mainly Democrats and they're going to come up with a democratic gerrymander. Uh, what do you think of that? What is your reaction, Dennis Dunno, to all this histrionics right now about VNP? Well, I, I think there's no question there's a lot of frustration with the way the Michigan legislature has drawn the lines the past 20, 20 years, 18 years. Um, and when you look at the results, there's no question that the results have favored Republicans. And there's even emails and other documents uh, that have come out that have shown that what the, the, what the Michigan Republican-controlled legislature was trying to do was trying to draw lines that strongly favored Republicans. So, I mean, there's no question to me that this is a backlash towards towards that. And um, I think the interesting thing is that this Eric Holder group has given them $250,000, I think it is. But are they going to get significantly more money um, from national entities um, when it, uh, you know, between now and Election Day? What is the position of the Michigan Democratic Party right now on this proposal? Have they actually they haven't come out and endorsed it, have they? I don't think they have. I mean, you'd have to ask Brandon Dillon, but I don't recall a resolution in support. 
And Brandon Dillon, we had him as a guest on our podcast, and he actually uh, was a little skeptical um, about uh, BNP. And he was on the television show Off the Record, and he pretty much said the same thing. Um, skeptical as to whether it's going to pass and skeptical about whether it's a good thing for Democrats. I mean, let's stop and think about it. Wouldn't it be ironic, Dennis, if there is a blue wave on November 6th? a blue wave and Gretchen Whitmer is elected governor and the Democrats pick up control of the state house and big surprise. The Democrats pick up enough seats to regain control of the state Senate. They're in a deep hole right now. It's 27 to 11. Basically one seat is vacant. Technically it's 27 to 10, but if they pick up uh, eight seats, uh, they can get control of the state Senate. They would have control of everything. And they would be able to draw a Democratic gerrymander, as, by the way, the Democrats did back in 1964. I remember that. Believe it or not, folks, I do. In 1972, I remember that well. Uh, so the Democrats, if they're given the opportunity, they will definitely gerrymander the districts. And if the Republicans get control, they gerrymander the district. So what would happen, irony of ironies, Dennis, if the Democrats got control of everything this November in the same election where VNP is approved by the voters? And all of a sudden, the Democrats get the golden goose, the brass ring that they've sought for so long, and it's taken away from them. What about that? Well, first, wouldn't the Democrats need to win back the House this year and hold it in two years to control redistricting? They, they would have to, yes, they would have to control because it wouldn't be done until 2021. You're right. So you're, it's not, you know, whatever. You would at least have Gretchen Whitmer as governor for a four-year term. They couldn't get rid of her until at least the end of 2022. So she could block whatever the Republicans wanted to do. And then the question is, what would happen in the state Senate and the state House? And... You're right. They would have to retain control in 2020, the Democrats, if they get control this year, which might be a pretty good bet. So let's say they do. So is that a good thing? Well, I mean, I, as a Democrat, I think it would be a great thing if, if the Democrats controlled the legislature and the governor's office. And, you know. Uh, yeah, but that, then they couldn't draw the plan because VNP would, would uh, be empowered to do it. But we would, what we would definitely have uh, have fairer lines than what the Republicans have done the past <laughs> two decades. You mean fair is good enough, Dennis? Is that what you're saying? Fair is good enough? Isn't that what we should expect from our government, Bill Ballinger? Fair? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not disagreeing with you. I just wanted to hear you say fair is better than skewed or gerrymandered. Yes, and I think we can all agree with that. So, look. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it honestly, as, as, as political junkies, wouldn't it be great if we had more marginal state house and straight state Senate races? Yeah, sure. It would. And we used to have a lot more. We I mean, have a lot more. Yeah. You got to remember for about 30 years between let's say, you know, 1980 and, and 2000, 20 years anyway, uh, those maps were drawn in a nonpartisan way. They weren't gerrymandered and we had a lot more marginal districts, uh, a lot more swing districts. Now it's getting to the point where there are not as many swing districts. Uh, you do have term limits. 
which is something that didn't exist before 1992. But just because legislators are termed out and you have open seats doesn't mean that the seats themselves necessarily are more competitive. It's just that you're going to get a new person, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat, but it's not as though the seats are any more Republican or Democrat once a legislator leaves than it was before. I mean, basically the races, even if they're open seats, like there are this year, you know, we got 69 open seats this year with the highest percentage of any state in the entire country. 46% of all our seats this year in the house and Senate are open, but most of them are in seats that are heavily democratic or heavily Republican. So, you know, I agree. More more competition. We agree on that, right, Dennis? That's right. All right, listen, Dennis Denno, thank you very much. Very entertaining discussion. Go have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again in the future. Look forward to it. Thank you. This is MTN. And you're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. Here's Bill. We're back and we got a special guest here this week. We've got Mary Trader Lang, who uh, won the Republican nomination at last month's uh, state Republican convention for Secretary of State, a very important office, uh, runs elections in Michigan um, and administers uh, motor vehicle uh, division. And uh, we have had at this point, amazingly, 24 straight years of Republican women in the Secretary of State's office. We had eight years of Candace Miller, eight years of Terry Lynn Land, and eight years of Ruth Johnson, who's the Secretary of State now. Mary Trader Lang announced she was running about a year ago. She had a tough uh, fight for the nomination against a couple of opponents, but she prevailed. And uh, Mary Trader Lang, welcome to the Political Insider. <laughs> well, I'm delighted to be here today uh, with you, Bill, and the Political Insider uh, listeners. Uh, Mary Trader Lang, I should mention, is a certified public accountant, a CPA. She's from uh, the Gross Points. Uh, she's also a regent of the uh, Eastern uh, Michigan University Board of Regents appointed by Governor Snyder. I'd just like to ask you, Mary Trader Lang, what was your campaign like over the last year? And now you've got in a very short period of two months to run a completely different type of campaign for the general election. Well, you know, the last year has been pretty dynamic. Uh, we've been averaging over 6,000 miles every single month traveling throughout the state. And not only at that time meeting with precinct delegates, but citizens throughout the state. And my platform of security, optimization, and stability really resonated nicely with everyone throughout the state, which was evident with the nomination at the convention a couple weeks back. But also, um, as people get to know me, they know I'm a real person. I'm down to earth. I provide real solutions for the Secretary of State, not only on the electoral side of the House as Chief Election Officer, but also as the Chief Motor Vehicle Officer being able to respect their time in line and bringing technology to that office or to the office to uh, speed along the lines. And, and really part of my campaign has been 
I really shouldn't have to see you in the Secretary of State's office once every eight years, and that's to get your photo done. And that's really maximizing my background as not only a CPA, but also my strengths of computer security and computer background. I get it. I understand technology and how it's a real part of our lives, and that's something that we need to bring with modern technology to modern Michigan, and that's the set of skill level I bring as the next Secretary of State for the great state of Michigan. Sounds like a pretty good platform to me. You know, it's hard for voters to make a distinction between candidates running for Secretary of State on down the ballot, uh, what the differences are between the positions on various issues uh, by the two major party candidates, Democratic and Republican. I mean, is there any difference between you that you can see in this campaign that voters ought to know about uh, between you and the Democratic nominee, Jocelyn Benson, on any issues relating to the elections or to the motor vehicle uh, division or what? Well, great question, and there's a number of things. One, I mentioned earlier, I have the real-world experience and the ideas, and I bring solutions to the department, bringing my technology, my business mind, my innovation, thinking out of the box. Um, I've been a strategic executive planner throughout my entire life, leading divisions. This budget is over $250 million, over $2.5 billion are collected every year. What better person but someone that has the financial and business mind to oversee that? By far, I have that over my opponent by far. The other component is, with the electoral side and protecting the vulnerable data on each and every one of us, I mean, just think for a moment all the information that's stored at the Secretary of State's office on each and every one of us beyond the uh, income tax department um, because we have driver's license, motor vehicles numbers, social security numbers, your address, you name it. So the vulnerabilities are there, and I understand cyber set. I understand cyber security. And so not only to protect the integral part and the integrity of the voting process, but also the vulnerable information on each and every one of us. I have that cybersecurity, which is a real experience and a real live experience. But also, I provide real solutions, Bill. I don't have empty promises and gimmicks of promising wait time. I have a plan in place. It's called Respect Your Time in Line. And that's taking modern-day technology from modern Michigan and brought in expanding on our, our online services, um, introducing an Express SOS so you could do transactions on your phone like you do your banking transactions. Um, you know, brought in expanding my time, which Ruth did a great job introducing that, but we only have it in 40 of the 131 locations. It's one of my main priorities in 2019 to push that out. And taking the kiosks that are tested and proven and broadening those transactions so that we can place them in a Michigan-based business such as a Myers, so people can do transactions with the Secretary of State 24-7. This is the thinking out of the box, the business mentality that I bring. And then a large portion of my background, too, has been in um, I led a division of North America sales. And I get uh, and understand customer service. So really making it a, a worthwhile experience if you are going to come to the branch rather than utilizing technology. It's an experience that we respect your time in line. You get in, you get out. And so my intentions of 
modernizing those branches so that it's a, a wonderful experience like a Verizon or an Apple experience. But at the end of the day, you shouldn't have to come in the office, in the branch office, once every eight years for your picture. I'm not out there promising gimmicks, you know, a 30-minute wait time at a branch office. And so what happens when you have those empty promises and you can't deliver? Are you going to start giving out free license plate tabs? License plates? You know if you can't deliver, you're going to be in trouble. So I have the real solutions on how to do it. I'm just not making empty promises. And that's a big difference here. Um, and that's what I bring to this office. Um, being a business person, having a computer security experience, and bringing that technology and not promising empty promises that can't be delivered. I provide the solution. Mary Trader Lang is the Republican nominee for Secretary of State, uh, nominated to last month's Republican State Convention. Um, let me just ask you uh, this question about two ballot proposals. You know, it's amazing. We got three ballot proposals this uh, November 6th. We had six back in 2012. We had two ballot proposals statewide 2014. Uh, we had none two years ago. Now we've got three this year, and two of the three directly affect the Secretary of State and how she would do her job because it's going to be a she who's our next Secretary of State. And the question is, uh, how do you stand on those two proposals? The first one, VNP, Voters Not Politicians, Redistricting Proposal, and number three, Promote the Vote. Do you have... Any positions on those two ballot proposals, Mary Trader Lang? Well, Bill, I sure do have positions on that. Uh, first, I'm against both of them, and I'll tell you exactly why. The voters, not politician, is an, uh, um, a partisan power grab in which you can't win elections, so we're going to change the rules. And it's going to be comprised of a 13 commission, which are virtually going to be political neophytes. They're going to be, to make it simplify this process, picked out of a hat. And these individuals are going to have a budget of over $5 million to hire consultants to determine how to redistrict. At the end of the day, who's doing the redistricting? Is it the commissioners that are supposed to be impartial and not affiliated with um, four Republicans, four Dems, and um, five nonpartisans? And tell me how you're going to find, find five nonpartisans in the state. And tell me how you're going to find four Republicans and Democrats that don't have any ever in their career, any party affiliation. So it's going to be very difficult to find those individuals. But I, as a CPA, am extremely concerned of the financial um, impact that it will have on the Secretary of State's budget because each of these commissioners are going to make over $44,000 a year for virtually being untrained, um, inexperienced, and not knowing how to redistrict. They're going to spend a $5 million plus. I don't know what exactly it is, but it's close thereof. And it's going to hit the Secretary of State's budget of $250 million. As a CPA from the very beginning, I have said that I am going to do more with less. I'm going to find ways that we can not only be efficient in the branch operation. Let me just just cut in there because we're running out of time. What about Proposal 3, Promote the Vote? Promote the Vote, I too am against that. And I sent out a blast about it. Two-thirds of it's already um, election. It's not election reform. It's already in existence. The remainder of it is it's really allowing a same-day registration. It's not giving the Secretary of State nor the local clerks enough time to detect any suspicious activity or potential cyber attacks. It's not fair to allow them to register the same day 
Mary Trader Lang, boy, I wish we had more time. Uh, you were great explaining exactly your position and the campaign on the issues and your campaign. Thank you very much, Mary Trader Lang. Thank you, Bill. I'll come back anytime you want. Thank you.